She said, well, well, Mr. Davis, you like tell us to go after our dreams all the time. Like you always encourage us to do things out of our comfort zone. And you always tell us that we can be whatever we want to be. So maybe it's time for you to start actually living it, like to live your own example of what you tell us. You are listening to Made of Human, also known as the Mopad, a podcast hosted by Sophie Hagen, who is a Danish comedian. Mopad. Trying to find out. excited about this episode which I, I mean I'm excited about all the episodes you know that by now <laughs> and you tease me about it already so I know I know I know I know but I am very excited because Kelvin Davis is such he's American you know he's happy he's seemingly happy <laughs> he's very upbeat very intelligent very warm he uh, you may also know him as notoriously dapper he's um, a model a blogger an activist he describes himself as a body positive gentleman and oh we get around so many things and I really really hope you enjoy it also go follow him on Instagram his is a grid do you say grid his grid is uh, what's what what's like a cool word is it's um, great ah oh, that's not good I want to say something cool and young and hip oh it passes the vibe check Oh, this is embarrassing. I've really turned old now. I'm sorry. God help me. Now, uh, I have a... Can I just... Just a little um, shout out. If you're out there. If you're out there. The person who saw a story that I put on Instagram of me saying, I'm just going to watch this new TV show now. And then and then you commented. And then you, you sent me a private message saying, Oh, that person turns out to be bad. Would you mind just, um, just go, if you just go and fuck yourself, would you go fuck yourself? Because I now have to watch hours and hours because I have to finish the series, even though I know exactly what's going to happen because you told me. Can we just, in general, can we agree? I, I know the internet is like a, I'm kind of joking about my seriousness of this, I am annoyed, but it... It reminds me of a bigger thing, right? The internet is this... I think it's very easy to feel like you're alone on the internet, right? You know, I can just message... Or it, it could. What's the difference between a real person and Alexa or Siri, right? So, but I think it's a community. No, it's a community. We have to think about it as a community. You know, you're not alone on the internet. There's a lot of other people there. I've I've seen people, friends of mine, post um, post things that are really nice and kind and unconfrontational, non-radical, just like very nice messages, and then have people in the comments lose their shit for n- for no reason. And like I'm not saying people calling people out and stuff, because that's obviously very very important. But I've had people just be like, this does not apply to me, so fuck you. And I get it, but I think if we thought, if there's anything that that can change here in 2020, could it be that we start to think of the internet as a community? 
And obviously in a community, if a Nazi walks into our community, we punch him. That's fine, right? I'm not saying that it's not me going, we should all be nice to each other. I think it's about saying, I will do what's best for for everyone, particularly people from marginalized groups. I will not just do what's best for me. You know, oh, this person has not seen this whole TV show yet. Maybe I will not tell her the ending. Huh? How about that? How about that? I am really, I'm just really mad. Anyways. I'm on tour soon. Where you can come and ruin my my dreams to my face. I'm not, I'm not sharing with the internet anymore what I watch ever. Just that, that you have it. So don't you don't don't even bother asking me what I'm watching. I won't tell you. I don't trust you anymore. I'll be on tour from uh, January the thirty first. I will be in Farnham, Oxford, Maidenhead, Fareham, New Milton, York, Sheffield, Lancaster, Didcot, Aldershot, Canterbury, Glasgow, Colchester, Cambridge, Leeds, Alnwick, Folkestone, Bristol, and we will then announce very 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 soon. Uh, Brighton, Manchester, Liverpool. Does in Newcastle already, Cardiff, and then obviously I'll be in Edinburgh again this summer. Well, this August. Let's not kid ourselves. If if the world is still turning, I hope my stomach is rum- rumbling, as that was called. I hope you can't hear it. This is quite a good microphone. I'd feel I'd feel awkward if you could hear my stomach in all of this. But hey, I'm human. <sighs> We're all just human. We're all just made oh i can't do it that's disgusting (laughs) please just enjoy this episode with the brilliant calvin davis so for people who might not know who you are do you want to introduce yourself yes um my name is calvin davis and i am the founder of notoriously dapper which is a body positive menswear blog that i founded over in the states in about uh, February 2013, after a bad shopping experience. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm going to definitely ask you about that in a tiny bit. But first, so yeah. what I find quite interesting about doing this podcast and about chatting to people like this is that like, if we'd had this chat yesterday or two weeks ago or yeah. in a month, you, it would be a completely different conversation because of where we both kind of were in our minds and our lives. And So I'm just wondering, where are we meeting you right now at this very moment emotionally in your life like mm. what sort of the life filter that we're going to s- see you through in the next hour does that make sense okay yeah uh in the next hour you'll definitely see uh the more maturated version of myself uh the more secure version of myself um and the most unfiltered version of myself yeah <laughs> yeah why uh, because like once you get like I mean I'm 32 now you know so I mean I maybe have like a good 40 50 years left and I just feel like I mean life is too short to like you know not say what you need to say or say what you want to say or do what you want to do so I'm just like fuck it just do it you know yeah you woke, you woke <laughs> up this morning just like I'm just gonna yeah that's amazing yeah yeah, yeah. did that happen overnight or was that a gradual thing where you suddenly it kind of happened overnight it kind of happened like about when i turned 30 ish really i was like i mean i have two daughters one's eight one's four and i was just like i mean i don't really remember when i was eight like i don't remember being that innocent and being that like you know pure at life you know so 
I'm like, I'm 30 now, and I've like been through a lot of trials and tribulations in life. So it's at the point now where it's like I have to like live that and own that in order to make a better life for myself and my kids. You know, does it change something to have? Like, I feel like when I hang out with kids, like, like when I have friends who have kids yeah. and I hang out with their kids, it does it. I get so introspective and I'm always like, wow, I can't, I keep imagining myself at that age. I kind of try to relate to this like joy and the innocence and the, all these things that I don't necessarily have in my life anymore because now I'm like all adult thinking about rent and stuff. Yeah. Do you have, did, did, was that a thing for you when you had your, your children? Yeah, it was like a thing where I was like, man, like I can't imagine being eight years old and not having any worries. You know, like she doesn't like really have much worries other than like, doing a homework or whatever and like they're completely reliant on like me and my wife do you know what I mean so it's like um you know the responsibility as a parent is like very heavy you know because if you like are five minutes late or if you do and you know like it messes up like their whole like thing that they're doing you know so you have to really like be mindful be thoughtful and really have like your p's and q's dot your i's cross your t's whatever all that stuff they say over the states you know <laughs> so yeah. what was the shopping experience that you had oh, with that so uh i'm not going to say the brand because you know they're a pretty popular brand over in the states mm. and i don't want to like blackball myself but it was a popular menswear brand that started selling women's clothes as well and I think some people in the States would know who I'm talking about. But they, <laughs> but they sell uh, mostly, like, um, dress shirts and, like, blazers and stuff of that sort. And there was, a, there was a red blazer that I really wanted. And I had just gotten my first job as an art teacher over in the States. Um, I was a middle school art teacher for about eight years. So I wanted to get, like, some more professional-looking clothing but still, like, have, like, my bright colors and all that stuff. So there was, like, this fire red blazer. And um, I asked for, like, a larger size because the size that was out, you know, obviously would not have fit me. And the lady was like, well, try it on, like, just in case. Like, you know, you never know. Like, everything's cut different. So I did. And it wouldn't even go past, like, my elbows. So I was like, well, can I get a larger size? And, you know, she then proceeded to tell me that they that they didn't make a larger size. And, um, you know, I, I kind of, like, pressed the issue a little bit. I was like, well, can you, like, look online? Is like, another store that's, like, over, like, the other side of town that I can go to. And she kind of got aggravated with me and told me that I was too big to shop there and told me that I should go to a store that sells bigger sizes. And I remember as a guy, I think I was about 23 or 24, maybe. I think it was 23. That was my first time as a guy being um, body shamed, like public. Because she wasn't very, I mean, she wasn't quiet about it. She said it mm. with a very loud voice, you mm. know. And I kind of, like, looked around and people were like, kind of, like, staring at us, like, what the world, you know? Mm. And I kind of, like, and not kind of, I did feel body shamed. And as a guy, I never really had that feeling. I mean, when you're a kid and stuff, you know, kids kids, kids are cruel. So, you know, like, you'll have, like, you know, like, your friends that, that are kids that will say stuff like you're fat or, like, you're husky or this and that. You know, like, simple stuff. But, you know, being 23 and, like, being body shamed by, like, uh, somebody that is like the same age as you or a little older, you know, it really hurt, you know? And um, I remember going home and going to Facebook and typing out a status about how I felt. And I remember that, I remember typing the status and then deleting it because I re remember thinking like, 
there are so many of my guy friends that like would be like, "Oh, dude, just man up! Like, mm. just go to the gym! Like, why are you crying? Like, blah 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 blah! Like, there's so many other things in life that you'd be worried about, you know? So there was that element of it, and then there was an the element of like I couldn't shake the feeling of being like hurt, mm. you know? Mm. So I was like kind of like suffered in silence yeah. for a while. So I decided that. I wanted to, you know, make a platform for guys to talk about positive body image. And, you know, I did it at a time where, like, body positivity really wasn't even a thing. You know what I mean? Like, and when I mean a thing, like, it was a thing for people, but it wasn't like a trend that, like, yeah, you see nowadays. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, I was kind of like this odd dude out there in the fashion industry where you have, like, all these menswear bloggers who are no pun intended, and if I offend anyone, I'm sorry, but they were, like, tall, skinny white guys. You know, yeah. like the average, you know, like guys. Yeah, when you like, imagine a model, you... Exactly, yeah. yeah. Like the that, same, you know, you know yeah. like blonde hair, like brown hair, green eyes, blue eyes. You know, it's the same, 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 same. So I kind of like forcefully, force, forcefully put myself in like a place where I wasn't accepted. And I was okay with that. You knew from the beginning, you knew this is going to be... Very this difficult. is my place. Yeah. And, yeah. The, and, and I knew it was going to be difficult for me to make a name for myself as a menswear blogger because, you know, of the way that, that I looked. You know, I was like a short, like, heavier set, balding black dude from South Carolina, you know? So it wasn't, you know, but I knew that no matter, like, how insecure I felt or, like, how, you know anyone else looked I would always be the best dressed guy in the room so that's like where my a lot of my confidence came from because I knew that I could always be like one of the best dressed dudes like anywhere that I went so that really helped me you know um, make the persona known as notoriously dapper which led to me you know doing all this other stuff so did you care a lot about fashion before this were you I always did, into I did. fashion yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was always into fashion so I've like uh, always been in the art and like fashion and stuff so um I see. I, I write in my book. Yeah, this is going to be a shameless plug for my book. It's notoriously dapper. <laughs> How to be a modern day gentleman with manners, style, and body confidence. You you can get it at Amazon, Waterstones, Barnes and Noble, anywhere books are sold. You're welcome. Okay, so, <laughs> but um, I write like in my book on like the first chapter. I talk about how my first interaction with fashion and how it helped me really become confident. I remember my mother was in Myrtle Beach, South South. South Carolina doing a um, a uh, a uh, a work trip, and she brought home like this uh, fuchsia pink polo from the Ralph Lauren outlet store, and it was like one of the and it was around the times where uh, like Ralph Lauren, like other companies were just starting to make pink clothing for men because when I was growing up, there was nothing pink available for boys. Mm. You know, there was like nothing available in the '90s, nothing like you couldn't find pink. You know, like at all. So I remember my mom brought home this fuchsia pink polo and I wore it on the like third or fourth day of school. And I remember everyone being like, where'd you get that shirt from? Like that shirt is so fire. You know, and it was like my first time having people like really want to like emulate my style, like wanting to dress like me or wanting to figure out where I got my clothes from. So was that also, so was that just a clothing thing or was it also about like, what had your role been at the school or with your peers before this? That's a good question. So my role, I guess I would say I was more of like a very artsy kid. And um, I felt like um, I wasn't as noticed as I should have been. 
because I was like very fly. I felt so, you know, and I felt like uh, I mean, I went to a predominantly white school, so I felt like I just uh, be before I started wearing very bright colors, I would get lost in translation. But when I started uh, what wearing, what do you mean by that? Like I would just be seen as like the like little nerdy art like black kid or whatever that like you know was quiet in class. But mm-hmm. I really wasn't quiet in class. Like, I was a goofball. Like, I'd be mm-hmm. talking to everybody. Like so you know. But I just felt like I didn't get the same treatment as like obviously like the jocks, the athletes, all the other people mm-hmm. that you know did the cooler stuff mm-hmm. in my high school. But you know, but my senior year when it was time to do superlatives. I was nominated for best dress, right? And I thought for sure I was going to win. I was like, hands down. I was like, there's no other guy at the school that can even touch me. Like, where are they? Show me. Where's my competition? There is none, you know? And I lost. (laughs) I lost to like this jock guy that like, who was just popular just because he was like an athlete, but he had like no style at all he would just wear like jeans and like a polo every day i'm like are y'all serious right now like who was voting you know and a part of me was like disappointing a part of me like thought it was kind of comical because i was like this really is like a joke like everybody knows i'm the best dressed guy at this school like all your boyfriends want to be just like me you know what i mean yeah i've watched i watched enough uh, u.s tv shows to know that that's what's gonna happen yeah the jog will win and it's very unfair yeah made me mad i was like really i was like and then still to this day actually about like two months ago i made a status on facebook i was like i still feel some kind of way about not winning best dress in high school (laughs) and then i have like all these people that i like went to high school with that i have been following my journey that were like well you're winning at life now so it really doesn't matter like like you're winning and like i mean you model for target like blah 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 so it kind of like worked out for you in your yeah. favor put a chip on your shoulder i was like no, no you it didn't i still want my sur- superlative <laughs> you know what you voted for exactly don't you dare yes <laughs> don't you dare come back now <laughs> uh so what was the reaction when you started uh the the you know talking about this because you said you were afraid when you first yeah. wrote the status yeah you didn't know what was going to happen so what did actually happen when you did um, start talking about it did you get the reaction you feared you would get so when I started so I really didn't start talking about it publicly until I started my blog and it was mixed reviews um, I would say I got a lot of sub so support from women obviously because a lot of women you know. Um, knew how it felt to be body shamed. They had a lot of empathy, imp- empathy mm-hmm. towards that, you know, where like um, a lot of guys who may have been through it, yeah. but the toxic masculinity didn't want them, didn't allow them to want to have compassion mm-hmm. or reach out and be like, yeah, dude, I feel the same way. Like, thank you for making this platform so we can talk about this kind of stuff. Instead, I would get messages from like, I call them dude bros because they're always like, dude, bro, bro, dude, <laughs> dude, bro, you know? But they're always like, why don't you just go to the gym or why don't you try mm-hmm. some hydroxica or do like, I drink this like tea that has like this like chemical stuff in it and it helps me like raise my heart rate and like I lose like blah, blah. I'm just like, oh, great. I want to try none of the above. You know, <laughs> I would actually like to try living in a world where I don't feel insecure because of the way my my body naturally looks. You know, so about I would say about two years into it, around 2015, was when people started kind of to get the message. 
because it was when like the women's movement was starting to pick up. Mm, it yeah. was trying to starting to get some traction. It was like becoming like a really um, s- significant trend. And I remember a lot of people were curious if this stuff just existed for guys. So just naturally, based off of curiosity, I became like this internet sensation because people were just looking like body positivity for men. And whenever like you would Google it, my blog would just come up, you know. So then I would get like a lot of hits on my blog and then I would get like people start following me on Instagram and then I would have publications reach out to me for press and then it just went from there to there to this and this and I went from being a middle school art teacher to being an author and a model and now doing this podcast with the beautiful Sophie Hagen you know yeah so you know it's like it's crazy how like the years of this has changed um that not only the perception of the way people view their own bodies but the perception of the way media can sometimes relay, um, you know, body positivity, you know? And your your own body image, your own thoughts about your body, has that, have you, is that something you've struggled with before, the yes. shopping incident, like when you were a child? For sure. What's your, oh, I don't want to say the word journey. What's your yeah. body <laughs> journey? Yeah. Your, <laughs> so, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, so, like, I mean, I guess, like, my my body confidence journey, I guess. Yeah, 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 like yeah, why, yeah what's yeah. your relationship with your body throughout? Yeah, so uh, when I was younger, I was always, like, uh, what they called us in the States at, like, a younger age was called Husky. Okay, and there was, yeah. like, a, and there was a Husky section that was made for kids that, you know, were, were too... They were too big to fit into the kids' clothing, but they were too small to fit into the adult clothing. Mm. So they had like a middle ground called the Husky section. And was the Husky it called s- that? Was it co- was yes. It, was that the name of it? It was. I thought Husky was a dog. Yeah, I know, right? So, oh, is it? Oh, is yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, I mean, oh. Husky is like a dog. Yeah. So. Oh. Yeah, but they called it like the Husky section to like okay. relay to, like I guess like a. It would be like the equivalent to being like a plus size section for women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for, it was like a husky section for boys. Okay. So it was like really marketed from like ages like nine to like 13, really. That awkward age where like oh, yeah. you're kind of like a man child in a way. Yeah, you know? like you don't, it's not the age where you need a label. Exactly. Like another exactly, label. yeah. You don't need a label, you know? But my mother had a great way of making the husky section feel special because she made it feel like this exclusive shopping club that like only like me and like the kids that look like me could shop in mm-hmm. so it like felt cool you know and like although they they didn't have the most stylish things because they had like very bland clothing um and it that you know the husky section doesn't exist anymore in the states i think it like died out in like the late 90s or whatever mm-hmm. it was more of like a 90s thing you know and then um i remember i got these cool jeans from the husky section and they fit in the waist they're like the perfect length i felt really confident because it was like my first time actually going shopping that i actually was able to find something and it fit perfectly and my mother didn't have to take it to go get altered or she didn't have to like you know put a pin in the bag to like make the pants tighter because i had to get like a larger waist because nothing else would fit in the thighs you know what i mean Mm. so it was like one of those things where i was like man like i'm gonna wear these things every day almost you know so I remember there was a, I was in the sixth grade actually, and there was a. How old is that? About 11, 12. Okay. Yeah. And I remember uh, there was this girl I had a, kind of a crush on at the time, and she complimented my jeans one day after lunch, like during recess. And I was like, word, like I got them from the Husky section. And she was like, the fat boy section? Hi. I was like, excuse me? 
She was like, that's the fat boy section. Like, you shop at the husky section? I was like, yeah. She was like, oh. She was like, okay. And I kind of remember, like, her having, like, this face, like, oh, you're not really as cool as I thought you were. Like, Mm -hmm. you're not, you know, you know? Mm -hmm. And, like, she visibly knew I was fat. Like, I mean, (laughs) she could look at me and tell I was fat. Like, where, where else did you think I shopped at? Do you know what I mean? It's like... I'm like, That's really interesting in a way, isn't it? Yeah. That because it's almost like a social thing, isn't it? Like a social s- status situation. Yeah. Isn't it? For sure. So it's not even about how you actually look. It's more about what section you fit into. Exactly. Exactly. It's strange. Yeah, it was very, very strange. And like, I remember, I mean, that was like my first true time being body shamed, but I didn't really understand what that stuff was being mm. in that age. You know, you kind of like you know, move on with your life, you know, like you, you got to go to math class or you move on, like whatever, you know? And, um, I remember telling mom, I was like, I don't really want to shop at the Husky section any, any, anymore. She was like, well, you kind of have to, because I don't want to pay for like adult clothing. that's <laughs> too big for you. I pay to get them altered. And if we bought, you could never fit into like the kids clothing, you know? So I was just like, well, tragic, you know? Mm. So, yeah, so I just kept shopping at the Husky section, and then it eventually died out, and, you know. Do you remember yeah. any other fat-phobic kind of influences or experience? Like, I'm thinking, like, from the media and mm-hmm. from... Because I, I, re- I don't remember having seen anything on television when I was a child. Yeah. But then now, looking back and, like, re-watching oh, yeah. a lot of the things, you're like, oh, my God, it is everywhere. Yeah. It is, yeah. It is, and we, we just... Yeah. Took it all in and didn't even really question it. Yeah. And now some, you realize how much you've. Yeah, like some of my favorite shows, even Boy Meets World. I used to watch Boy Meets World all I the time. And uh, there was an episode where one of the characters, Topanga, had like gained a little, little, a little bit of weight, and she was like trying to do all these things to like lose weight and try to do all these things to like change her body and all this other stuff. And you know, you like feel like it's normal when you're that age. You're like, of course, like you got exercise, lose weight, all blah, blah 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 blah. That's what they teach you in health class. All this other bullshit. But then you realize that like, it's not really. It shouldn't be that way. Like, yeah, it shouldn't. Like, you shouldn't have to, like, work out like five hours a day, like twelve yeah. days a month to like look like some false sense of beauty or like expectation that like the media yeah. or society thinks that you should be. I remember yeah. I'm, I'm re-watching again for like the millionth time in my life, uh, Fresh Prince. Oh, yeah. Strong. Oh, it's so good. Like, it's, it is. Like, it's like 99% the most perfect, amazing show, and I still love it. But then for there, sure. there are little things where you go, oh. Exactly. You know, there's, like, I was watching an episode yesterday. He meets a girl at a party, and he's like, oh, didn't you used to have a fat sister? You look amazing. Like, she's lost a lot. He's like, yeah. you've lost two people and it's all this oh like so yeah. much talk about this girl and how she's now attractive and how yeah. he now wants to have sex with her and how he now and yeah. I was like wow I watched I remember I think the first time I watched that I was four oh, and wow. then I just watched it as much as I possibly could till like till now still watching it yeah. like, that seeps in it does. but then I thought because I was talking to you I thought like I'm obviously aware of how the women are being talked about and portrayed and that's yeah. in a bit of a different light than the men but Uncle Phil was such a yeah, target, Uncle and Phil, I wonder if yeah. he you, was you, a target because, like, because like they would always make jokes about him oh, overeating and or, like eating or like whatever, and just like yeah. let Uncle Phil do his thing. Yeah. Like, 
you living in his house. Like, <laughs> let him, like, let, 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 let him eat the two Philly cheesesteaks if he wants to. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. But he was always a tar- target. Do, do you think that, like, when you watch that, do you think, do you think body shaming in general? Mm-hmm. Well, not even just you, but like me as well. Like, I wonder if, if it was only the body shaming of the women that got to me, or if I also picked up oh. on the. Do you know if, if, yeah, you, yeah, if yeah, you don't yeah, think yeah. about the. Male aspect. Exactly. Of, yeah. I don't know if you... I feel like... Um, I mean, I feel like a lot of people don't think about the male aspect. And I feel like that's just like a normal... I mean, not a normal thing, but I feel like it's just kind of a thing that's just been bred into society. Men are tough, whatever. They go through things. They move on. Man up. Ugh. You know? It was kind of like that thing, you know? Where a lot of, a lot of people just don't think about um, males when it comes to feelings. You know? Mm-hmm. You just don't. You know? And... uh it's not really anybody's fault. It's more of like society's fault yeah. in a way, you know, of having this weird, false, like, I, idealism of what a man is, you know. Even like back in like the Greek days, you know, like, I mean, back all, I mean, you, I mean, if you go back all the way to the biblical days, it was like the same thing. Men, like, girl, like, man up, like, you're strong, like, lift these things, da da da. Like, you know, it's all about that, you know. So, like, you didn't really, I mean, they didn't really care about how men felt then, you know? So a lot of people really don't care about how men feel now, but I think it's becoming more of a topic because of the fact that if you look at the majority of mass shootings over in the States, the majority of the mass shootings that happen are committed by, like, white men Mm. or just men in general. Usually not men of color, but they're usually just, like, white men. And, you know, and then people want to talk about you know, the guns and mental illness and this and that, but, like, nobody wants to find a solution as to why these men don't feel like they can verbally talk about how they feel. Because, I mean, if they felt like they could talk about their feelings, maybe it could have saved a couple of folks' lives. You know I what I mean? quite a few more yeah. than just a couple, right? Yeah, like, a, I mean, a couple hundred, a couple thousand. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's gotten to the point now in the States where it's like a mass shooting happens and it's just like people don't even wipe their eyes anymore. Like, nobody even cries. Yeah. It's so normal. I feel like we can even see that. Like, I remember Bowling for Columbine being like, yeah. a th- like the thing. Like, that was, yeah. you, you felt like that was a once in a lifetime tragedy. Yeah, it was tragic, yeah. And now you hear about it all the time movie theaters, yeah. churches, this, that. Like, and it's just like, I mean, it feels like people have fear of like pretty much going anywhere nowadays because like nobody is safe. Like, everybody's targeted. Like, it doesn't matter if you have your kids with you, it doesn't matter if you have your grandma with you. Like, everybody's. Everybody has, you know, something on them, you know. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things that could change over in the States when it comes to gun reform and all the other jazz, you know. But the real issue is, like, you know, toxic masculinity and, like, that idealism of men not being able to, you know, voice their opinions when it comes about, you know, their feelings. Because I feel like if a man is able to talk openly about body image... He's able to talk openly about a lot more other things because mm-hmm. body image is a very is a very vulnerable topic. So if you're able to talk about that openly, then you can talk about anything else, about how you felt today, like how your boss made you feel like shit and like you don't feel like your best self and you kind of just want to like somebody to hug, mm. you know. But no, you want to be a man and you want to grab a gun and you want to go to the gym and do all these things and be violent. Like, nah, like you need a hug. You know, 
Like, you need, like, you need love. Like, you need something to make you happy. Like, you need to go to see a movie. You need to go, like, you know, watch your favorite film. You need to, like, draw. Like, you know, to find something else to, like, deplete that, like, that animosity that you have. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Animosity is a good word. Is it that? Is it also, is it, how much would you think it's, like, self-hate and... There's a lot of self hate. Well, I don't know if there's much self hate with white guys. I don't know them because I'm. I mean, yeah. I'm not a white guy, so I mean, I I, I can't speak. They so seem quite confident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, over the state, I mean, they they they, <laughs> they seem like they they know what they're doing, you know. Yeah. Um, but I feel like <coughs> with uh, men of color, I feel like there's a lot of self hate with mm-hmm. men of color because, uh, um, you know, there's a thing over. Um, in the states, I don't know if it exists here, but with people of color, where if you're light skinned, you know, and then you have like the dark skin, like so colorism, color, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of like color colorism, you know. So you have like people. I mean, even when I mean, I taught at like a predominantly black school, and I would even see the color colorism in my classroom, where like a dark darker skinned girls would not like the girl because she's light skinned, like she doesn't know anything about her. They could have just as much as in common as, mm. you know, as her. Like, they probably come from the same circumstances, you know? Single, single, single parent homes, they probably, you know, come from the same, you know, area. They probably even live, like, in the same block, you know? Ride the same bus and everything. But she doesn't like her because she's lighter skin, you know? Yeah. And I feel like that sometimes drives a lot of people of color to have a little bit of self-hate because, I mean, we're not looking at, you know, this person as being like, okay, they're lighter skin, but they're still just as beautiful. Like, I'm just as beautiful too, even though I'm darker skin, you know? And why can't we be friends? Well, it's internalized. You internalize all this stuff that comes from the outside. Like, I remember being 4, 15, 16, and having fat friends, but I just, I would not want to... I just didn't want to be seen with them in public because I was so afraid of oh, wow. of just yeah. people noticing. Or like it was almost like it became we became twice as visible, and I was like so scared of being gotcha. attacked for it. And I think those thoughts. I don't think I knew that that was my thoughts at the time. Yeah, yeah. I think I just felt hate towards her without knowing why. Just yeah. like oh no, go away. And it was all anxiety, and it was all just internalized. You know, they're going to shout at me. They're going to shout at both of us. It's going to be re- someone will yeah. see this because they're there. And it's all these complicated feelings. This comes out as go away. It's crazy. And then when you look back, you're like yeah. oh fuck. Like we were the we were the victims of all of this, and yet yeah, you know, we turned against each other. And exactly. We turned it against ourselves, and you know, yeah. it became self hatred instead of anything that's constructive. Yeah. And there's a, um, I forget the guy's name, but there's a popular Klansman over in the States. He's dead now, but he was popular back when the Ku Klux Klan was like really popping and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. he said on a video, he said that uh, the black male is the thing that he treasures the most. And the, the, the guy that I was interviewing him asked him why. He was like, but you're in the Ku, Ku Klux Klan. Like, why do you treasure the black man the most? He was like, because we don't have to kill them. They, they kill each other. Wow. And I was just like, holy shit. Fuck. And then it like dawned on me. I was like, holy fuck. I was like, he's like completely right. He was like, he like doesn't have to like, 
he doesn't have to go out and like want to execute black men or this and that. He was like, we kill each other. Like we really do. Like over in the States, like black on black crime is like all the time. Like we, I mean, we kill each other all the time. We, and it was, what's crazy is that we kill each other more than you have like the innocent like situations where there was like you know an an, an unarmed black teen and there's like a white cop that shoots shoots him and kills him. There's so many black kids that die at the hands of other black men, mm. and nobody else talks about that. Like mm. in Chicago, it happens all the time. You know, it happens all the time in like bigger cities in New York, all this stuff. And like it doesn't make the news. Like nobody ever really cares enough to talk about it. But if you know a cop, <clears throat> you know, were to shoot an unarmed teen, you know, and he kills him or whatever. It'll not only make national news, but it'll make almost international news, you know? And it's like a fight where all black people get together and we're trying to fight to stop this. But it's like, <clears throat> we, we also need to fight to stop that because it's racism and it's like, that's just as terrible. But what's just as terrible is that when somebody that looks like us murders somebody that looks like us over drugs or money or because we have a disagreement. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So it, that like that like was really powerful to me. And I, I I remember watching that when I was about twenty one years old, mm. and I watched it because like one of my friends posted it like on his Facebook or whatever, and he was like, "Yo, this shit is crazy." And I remember watching. It, I was like, "Wow!" Like this dude literally just said he tried this to black man because we fucking kill each other. Mm. That is crazy. And he was like a grand dragon of like the Kuka yeah, yeah, like yeah. He was like this notorious like person who probably did how how much stuff to black folks like back in the day. Yeah. You know, like who knows, you know? But he was like, they they kill each other. Like, there's no need for us to like go out and try to like harm them or, you know, try to rally and try to show off our hate. They they hate each other. And it's sort of what all what all not to in any way diminish that. But it is what all discrimination and bias and yeah. racism, sexism, homophobia like it 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 kills. It's very it very yeah. you know it's not even an exaggeration. Of course, and it's the same you know body image stuff like that makes teenagers you know kill themselves or starve themselves until they get all these illnesses. Or, of course, you know the, all these studies they've uh, made where they they um, study the reaction, your physical reaction to being discriminated against, yeah. or to experiencing, you know, racism and homophobia. Yeah. And you could, like, the body goes into, like, a panic mode, which gives you stress, which leads to all these illnesses. And it is a thing yeah, where these... For sure. ...being treated like this... Yeah. ...kills you. And, like, the talk of masculinity is, like, yeah. up there amongst... Yeah. And, like, a lot of people talk about, you know, the white toxic masculinity, and that's, a, like, a huge issue all in itself. But there's also talk black, black, black male masculinity that people don't talk about. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They're like, a lot of people don't talk about that. Like, yeah. especially over, like, in the States. Like, a lot, of, a lot of people don't, they don't want to get real with it. Like, but I'm real with it all the time, especially when I taught at, like, a predominantly black school there was a point where um, about my second year, I started coaching football there and I became the head coach. And I remember my art classes literally switched from like 50-50, like half boys, half girls to being like all boys. Like all of my football players wanted to take my class. They wanted to take mm. the coach's class. Like they wanted to take art. So I would literally have like about, I, I, I would teach about six classes a day. I would have four out of those six, six classes be like, predominantly male and predominantly kids that I coached after school 
And my whole aim was to not only teach them art, but was to teach them love and kindness and to teach them compassion and empathy and to teach them all these things that maybe, you know, they won't get a chance to learn because they may not have a male figure at their household or they may not, or their views of masculinity may be completely construed based off of what their mother tells them or based off of what their uncles or what whoever tells them, you mm-hmm. know? So I really felt it was a big importance for me, not only as an educator, but as their coach and as their mentor to really teach them how to love and how to love the, the man that sits next to them and understand that your love goes past on the football field because they have no problem with loving each other on the football field because they will block for, for each other. They'll mm. help each other score a touchdown. They'll do everything that they can in order to win that game. And they show much love to each other and they'll build each other up and give each other positive affirmations mm. during this game. But it's like after the game, like in real life, yeah. you know, that stuff was little to non-existent. So I kind of had to like, ex- like, teach that to them and how they could use that in everyday life. So if your homeboy is like, if your best friend or like your dog is like feeling math, like, you know, give him positive affirmations. Mm. Give him like, I mean, you got to treat it the same way as you were on the field. Like this is the field of life, you know, like this isn't, I mean, life is a game, you know, in, in some sort of a way. So I will always, you know use that in interpretation with football and a lot of them it would click a lot of them would fully understand that and they would end up becoming more loving towards one another and i would even have male students who would sometimes even say things like oh dog like that's gay i would never do that blah 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 they would do things that like that were outside of their comfort zone yeah they would like hug other like male friends of theirs they would show compassion show empathy they would cry they would like you know I remember there was there was a um, there was an incident that occurred at the school that I taught at where, but um, one of my football, football football players he got into a verbal altercation with another male mm. who wasn't on the football team. You know, kind of like a jealousy thing, like wanted to put him off of his game, and he pushed him down a flight of stairs, and he hurt his back really bad. Oh, and shit. I remember like instead of all of his like homeboys like wanting to jump on the kid and like beat him up and all that stuff all the and which probably would have happened if you know somebody like me wasn't there to show them a different aspect of how you should treat somebody they all rushed to help their counterpart and all rushed to help him and figure out like what they can do to try to get him up and they were like asked him if he was okay and they like almost paid the other guy no attention because I mean he's I mean he's he's gonna get his punishment yeah, you know, yeah. like there was no need for them to go ahead and jump on them no. and cause more of a scene and them them get in trouble and like the whole team is sus- suspended from the game and this and that. I got these hooligans that are on my team, you know, but they did the exact opposite, you know, which I was like, that was a very proud moment of me for me. And even my principal at the time noticed he was like, you know, you've done a lot with those boys. I was mm. like, I mean, I really, I've, 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 I've tried to, you know, and I've. And still to this day, even though I'm not teaching, I still try to do that same aspect whenever I meet like a boy of color or whenever I meet, you know, any, uh, really any boy, really, that, you know, I feel like I can have a conversation with, whether it's in the school, like, because there's still some, there's still some schools that I go in and I'll chat with the kids about, you know, life and about, 
career choices and all that stuff and about the entertainment industry. And, you know, it was just one of, the, one of those things where I was able to bring my blog into the classroom. And my blog was so much more about fashion, you know? It was so much more about, like, teaching these guys, these kids, these males, how to be better men for society, which in all can produce better friends, better brothers, better fathers, better husbands, better partners, whatever, you know? And I even had, like, I even had an openly gay kid on my team, and it wasn't an issue. Like, none of, like... Nobody thought it was a problem. Now, there was other kids that weren't on the team that was like, oh, like, you playing with that that mm-hmm. gay kid and this and that, like, da, da, da. And, like, they'd be like, dog, like, grow up. Like, are you serious? Like, he's he's just as good as football as we are. Like, he's he does the same thing that we do. We're in the same math class. He makes the same grades. We take the same tests. We do what Coach tell, tells us to do. We do the mm-hmm. same stuff. We eat the same food. Like, there's nothing different about him. The only different thing is that he just prefers women over... I mean, he just prefers men over women. Mm. Which really isn't an issue because, like, it is what it is, you know? And whenever, like, I would have middle school, like, male students, students of color think that that way, I was like, I've won. Like, this is it. (laughs) I'm done. I'm fixing it. Yeah, Yeah, because it's like, I mean, even, like, even our first season was kind of a losing season. I was like, you guys have to understand, like... You didn't win as many games as we thought we were going to win, but you're winning at this thing that we call life. Like, you guys are literally winning. I would, like, give them examples. They were, and they were, like, so, like, shocked as to how much I, of not how much they actually did, but how much I actually took notice to what they did. Yeah. How much I actually, like, would read into, like, the details of, like, what they did and, like, and, like how they would act in the hallways. They were like, coach is really paying attention to us. I'm like, yeah, I'm watching y'all. Like, for real, for real. Like, I, like, like, like I got both eyes on y'all, like, all day. Who taught you? My dad. Where did you get it from? Your dad? Yeah. My dad is, like, pretty awesome. He's, like, the definition of what I think a man should be. You know, he's very um, open. He's vulnerable. He's strong. Um, he's, uh, I mean, when... I always thought about being a man when I was a kid. I always thought about being like my dad, you know. Um, he was never secretive. He was never like, man up, don't cry. He always encouraged me and my sister to voice our feelings, whether they were good or bad. He always encouraged us to, you know, really not, I guess, like live with the heart on the sleeve, but, you know, let people know how you feel, you know. And he... um He's a cop over in the States. He's the chief of police now at, like, a local university. So he's pretty high up in the rankings uh, when it comes to, like, law enforcement and stuff. So he, um, you know, instills that in his officers that he hires, too. He, like, you know, lets them know that, you know, you don't pick at these students. Like, you are here to help them. If you see a kid and they're, you know, up to something no good on campus and it's your job as a public safety servant to make sure they're safe. You have to learn how to de-escalate and learn and learn not like not how to escalate the situation. I feel like a lot of law enforcement over in the States, they escalate situations and they don't practice de-escalation, which my dad is like an expert at like de-escalating a situation. He can 
take a situation that can be to the point where somebody is about to get really, really hurt, really, 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 really bad, and bring it to a point where everybody's sitting there quiet thinking about their actions. You know, wow. he's very good at de-escalating. And did you see him do that when you were a child? Or did you get a sense that sure. you, you knew he could do that? Oh yeah, yeah. I witnessed it one time at a at 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 a gas station. He was he was off duty, and there was um a uh, a dispute between like a a homeless guy and like another guy. He was like a truck driver, I think, and they were getting into it and and this and that. And my dad just went over there and, and de-escalated the, the situation. He was like, you know, like. And my dad told him, he was like, you know, I'm a cop, but I'm off duty. Nobody's going to, you know, but y'all need to, you know, there's kids around, there's families around, there's people getting gas, there's people, you know, there's people that are visiting the city, you know. And he was, you know, and it makes people think, you know, like, why am I even arguing with this guy, you know. And it really makes you think about a lot of things. So I had a whole different outlook, even in middle school and high school, about, like, conflict, you know what I'm saying? I mean, if somebody, you know, hit me or did something, you know, we could get bad about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't mind getting physical with anybody, but that wasn't my first, like, choice. Do you know what I mean? Mm. That, was, that was never really my first choice. I mean, I could if I wanted to, you know, but, I mean, that never was ever my first choice. You know? Do you still talk to the, your, the students you had? I do, actually. They actually follow me on Instagram, and they, like, DM me all the time. That's they amazing. love the fact that I'm in London. I'll have some of them that will DM me, be like, why didn't you take me with you? Mm. Or this and that. Like, you're living your best life. I'm so proud of you. This and that. Um, it's really cool because I stopped teaching in the 2017-18 school year. So about two years ago was my last year of teaching. And I remember telling my eighth graders, my eighth, my eighth, my eighth grade honors kids, they were like my higher up uh, level of art kids. I remember, and like a, a lot of them I taught through sixth grade and a lot of them didn't have any artistic ability at, mm. at all. So I kind of like led them to the ways, you know, yeah. like, you know, to put them in my eighth grade honors class, which was a high school credit class. Um, now I remember I was, I had just gotten back from, um, I had just gotten back from L.A. from doing a photo shoot. Mm. And I remember I was, you know, talking to them. And I was like, you know, guys, I'm really, I'm really thinking about, you know, doing this stuff, like, full time. I'm really thinking about, you know, going and doing it all the way. And the class got real quiet. I was like, oh, shit. Like, they're going to tell me that they don't want me to leave. Even though they're graduating, like, yeah. they won't even, like, like, they won't even see me anymore. I remember one of my students named Naya, and she'll probably be listening to this because Naya like is like really into all this kind of stuff. Naya's awesome. Naya looked at me and she said, "Well, well, Mr. Davis, you like tell us to go after our dreams all the time. Like you always encourage us to do things out of our comfort zone, and you always tell us that we can be whatever we want to be. So maybe it's time for you to start actually living it, like to live your own example of what you tell us." And I like remember like my my eyes got so teary. Yeah. I was, like, thinking in my classroom, like, I'm getting, like, emotional right now, thinking about, like, I was about to cry. <laughs> actually, like, actually, like, I actually did cry. I was, like, man, like, this is, and, like, all the kids, like, after Naya said or spilled, like, all the kids, like, started clapping in the class. And they were, like, yeah, Mr. Davis, like, you should go for it and this and that. And I remember it, that, that like, not only gave me the, 
the extra motivation, but it gave me the security that I have, like, so many people that are in my corner. Especially, like, these kids that are, like, only in eighth grade to, like, understand that, like, this man has been doing this stuff for, like, so many years, and he's finally made it to a point where he can finally make a living off of this and do it and provide for his family and be happy and do these things that he's always wanted to do. And there was a moment where I was like, damn, like, I really, I'm going to do it, you know? I remember, like, the next week I was doing morning duty and my principal came up to me. He was like, Mr. Davis. I was like, yeah. He was like, I got to know. Are you going to come back? I was like, no, I'm not going to come back. And he was like, okay, well, I'm going to email you some forms to fill out to, like, state that, you know, you decided to decline your position for the next year and stuff. So he emailed me the forms. I did them. And it was very, like, surreal moment because it was like, dang, I'm really not going to come back here. Like, you know, and I still go back to, like, talk to some of the kids and stuff. But this eighth grade class that that's there now was the sixth grade class that I taught. So once they leave, I won't really know any of the kids. I hadn't taught any of them, you know. So it's kind of, like, bittersweet. So this year, I'm, like going to the last eighth grade graduation of the like last set of kids that I taught. Which is kind of like there, wow. yeah, yeah, it's very bittersweet. We have to just I have to say what everyone's thinking. It's like a movie. It is a movie. It's yeah. a movie. It is like a movie. You it is going crazy. to change their lives and it ends yeah. up with them changing yours. I know. Oh, it man. is it re- it really is like a movie. Yeah. It really is. It's one of those things where like like you just can't make this shit up. Yeah. You know? It's like, yeah. There's a question I always ask on the podcast. Um, so basically you knew that you were doing this for a few days and maybe yeah. you had ideas about what we were going to talk about. Maybe you already had things in your head. The question is basically, what question would you most want for me to ask you? Mm. That's a good question, man. Oh, God. Imagine you ask the same yeah, 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 kind yeah. of questions a lot and maybe yeah. there's a thing where you're like, I just yeah. want to talk about this. Um. I would have to say, it's kind of a, a, a taboo subject. People don't really want to talk about it. But what the term actually body positivity means, mm-hmm. in the sense of like, not in the sense of like the actual trend, the sense of like what it means for Instagram, what it means to Facebook, what it means to society. Like, what does it actually mean, right? Mm hmm. Do you know what I mean? So, like, let me get your perspective. Like, what do you think it actually means? So, I'm very, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very, I'm very militant. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm full on, don't uh, subscribe to body positivity as a movement for myself. Same. I'm okay. fine with it, yeah. that it's that. It's yeah. doing good things for good people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm fat liberation. Okay. I'm back to, like, the first fat liberation movement in the 1960s. And nice. the idea that I think body positivity is big flaw is that it puts pressure onto the individual and it makes us fix this thing that others did to us yeah. and now we have to make now we have to do all this labor to teach ourselves to love ourselves and tell others how to love themselves and it's just like a lot of whilst they're teaching children to hate their bodies and yeah. instead we should look at the people who are actually making this worse like look For at sure. the, com- the, the companies the beauty industry sure. the government like the how we're actually being killed, you know, in medical sure. bias against fat people, so fat people don't get diagnosed properly and treated properly, and all the, you know, we don't get paid yeah. enough, and all those things. Like it's a For systemic sure. thing we have to attack instead of making it the individual's responsibility to unlearn all these things that's been 
that we didn't deserve in the first place. For sure. So that's my <laughs> that's my body positivity. No, I like right. that because I kind of like I feel the exact same way. I feel like a lot of the fat liberation or fat people are left out of the body positivity, yeah. especially when it comes to women. Yeah. And I'm not throwing any shade to anybody because everybody's beautiful and everybody's gorgeous in their own way. But when it comes to Instagram and the social media stuff, when people often think about body positivity or they think about plus size models or this and that, they think about one type of body. Yeah. And it's the kind of slim waist, hourglass, bigger hips, white, big bottom, white. White, cis, feminine. Yes. Like beauty big boobs. Like, yes. Yeah. Privilege in the face. And granted... I'm not taking away from any of them. I'm I am not saying in any way that that they haven't had to deal with the trials and tribulations of being a woman or the trials and tribulations of you know having you know their not beauty be, yeah. standards being not being judged. a size zero. Yeah, 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 any of that stuff. I'm not saying any of that because I I completely like think that they've had to deal with things just like any other person has. But I don't like the fact that when it comes to body positivity on Instagram or soul on social media that that's what people automatically associate it with a mm. blonde slim waist hourglass big breasted privileged girl mm. do you know what I mean mm, 100% I, I don't appreciate that no I don't yeah, I, I find I've stumbled upon so many articles that are like these 15 body positivity yeah. accounts you should follow and when you scroll I'm I don't like, appreciate it just, I'm like I'm not I'm not following any of them no because they're not doing anything for me as a man of color they're not going to do anything for you no. as you know you know yeah. like okay yeah they're promoting positive body image yeah we get that but they're promoting positive body image only to like a trend that is popular on social media it's not mm-hmm. an actual societal standard that they're trying to erase do you know yeah. what I mean because a lot of those girls even They'll post like workout videos and be like, "This is how I got my, I got yeah. a bigger bum or like blah blah blah." And it's like, okay, like that's cool. Like if girls want bigger bums, they can do the exercise to get a bigger bum. Like, but mm-hmm. you know, sometimes they have to be cautious because they'll make other people that follow them a little insecure. Because some people just won't have a big bum. Some mm. people's jeans just don't have big bum jeans in them. Yeah, and well, there's lots of caveats to their body positivity. You know, yeah. love yourself. You know, unless. You know, yeah. Unless you, you're not, exactly. st- you know, you, yeah. can, you can look like this, but not, not too fat, exactly. not too this, exactly. not too queer, not too this, not yeah. too that. And I don't appreciate that shit at all, like, at all. And it's like, even for me, like being like a black guy in this movement, like, I mean, there's there's not a many black dudes that are in the movement in general, let alone a lot of males. Period. But a lot of, you know straight males and a lot of like black males like there's not many of them that are in this movement at all period you know Mm. so i don't really find any value in some of those accounts i mean and and i'm I'm granted i'm not throwing shade i don't want anybody you're throwing shade but i'm not throwing shade okay i love y'all and i think you're beautiful in every way shape and possible but and there is but i think that the body positivity trend on Instagram and Facebook is not what it is in society. Yeah. And it's not and it's not cool. I'm and it's not, but it's so lo- it's so lovely, right? It's yeah. like buy this lotion and then your body positive and yeah, it's all it's like, come on, pink bro. and dancing and love your curves and yeah. da, da, da. but we're not talking about all the really tough stuff which is like fat people and especially super fat people. Yeah. That's again acknowledging my own privilege. Like I'm I'm a size but I'm not like as if you when you get bigger than I am, life gets so much harder. Yeah. And that's they're not even 
they're not even included in like most fat liberation stuff. We don't even talk about people where it becomes an accessibility issue or uh, where it becomes like physically dangerous for them to live in the world because of medical yeah. bias. And it is so. But then as soon as you start talking about statistics and the p- political thing and you start saying yeah. words like capitalism and systemic oppression and then people just go oh let's talk about the butterflies and the yay love yeah. your curves again because that's what people can sort of package into something they of course that doesn't make them feel too uncomfortable and that's the thing yeah. when you look at a size eight or a size 10 with a bit of curve who's like beautiful but it's like body positive yeah. people feel good because they recognize it it's like yeah. a few kilos more than what you're meant to like and you're like oh this is dangerous but if you show them a fat person like an, a naked yeah. fat person the eating like, a burger not even being like healthy I know. then they'd be like whoa I know and it's like come on really yeah what are, are you it's buying like, really here. are you do you just like it makes me so mad <laughs> yeah. like it really makes me mad because I mean I like all kinds of women and I mean, I per, I mean, I preferably prefer bigger women, obviously, because like, I mean, that's just like my type that I've always been attracted to. I mean, mm. my mom is a bigger lady and I grew up with like bigger women and, you know, it's just like, and I've just never seen being big or being fat as like a bad thing. I don't know. Mm. I mean, as I've, I've never, I've never seen, I've never looked at a woman and been like, oh, she's fat. Like, nah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's never happened to me. Like, ever. You know what I'm saying? I may be like, well, I don't really like she's, the way she styled her hair. Like, or, yeah. you know, like, I may not like the dress she has on. But, like, when it comes to, like, their body type, like, I don't really care. Like, it doesn't bother me as much. Like, I mean, and it's weird to me when people are, like, so verbal, like, so verbal about, like, against somebody's body type. It's like, why do you feel so strongly about it? And like, I what the fuck is wrong if, with you? I wonder if they do. I wonder how normal it is. Yeah. You know? Like, how many people like you, but who have less, I don't know if it's intelligence or empathy or whatever it is, yeah. but who, you know, enter the world like, yeah, I like all bodies. And then they watch the media and they hear their friends talking. They're like, oh, no, I'm only allowed to like one. Exactly. And maybe those are the guys who and they're are like... they're like secret, like, lovers yeah. of like all body types, especially yeah. fat body types. But then... The friends are going to shame them, so yeah. then they got to act like. I wonder if those are the people, like when I'm walking down the street and they're the ones going, "I wouldn't fuck you." If you're like, "Whoa, I think you do." <laughs> like, yeah, that's why exactly. You had to shout. That, yeah, exactly. In front of your friends, it's like you actually want to fuck me now. I think like, that's you're all actually, you're thinking about, right? Exactly. Now. <laughs> so you have to make it. Otherwise, why do you give a shit? Exactly. So I wonder how normal it is. Like it, how many yeah. people have actually internalized it and and do believe it and feel it. Yeah. And how many are just fighting you know there's i've been with loads of people who <laughs> loads of people but i've been with people who then just wouldn't acknowledge it or like pretended oh i was so um so drunk you're like you're not yeah. like, i've seen how much you've, you've not exactly. had a beer for the last seven hours you're not oh yeah. you know <laughs> like why is this that's why are you so <sighs> what's wrong? like just fucking acknowledge what you're into me <laughs> yeah seriously yeah and i think it's the same with homo sex homo sex sex yeah 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 homosexuality with men yeah because homosexuality with men i feel like women are a lot more comfortable with it but homosexuality with men they'll be like a guy who will like men and is is homosexual and knows he is has been probably his whole life and he has guy friends that don't agree with that with lifestyle and he has to like pretend to be somebody that he's not mm. and then he has to and then he has to be extra homophobic and like almost sometimes even commit hate crimes against gay people to prove that he doesn't like gay people when he's actually gay. 
Mm. And it's weird to me. Yeah. It's very weird to me. It's like you live your life. Yeah. If you are surrounded by people who don't, ex- who you think that are not going to accept you if you truly came out to be who you are and who you are isn't going to hurt anybody. Now, if you're a murderer or a rape, okay, yes. Yeah. You should, like, you're a bad person. And yes, your friends should, like, kind of, like, shame you a little bit into not doing those things because they're criminal acts and that's terrible, terrible things. But if you're doing things that, like, only benefit like that only affect yourself and only benefit like yourself is not it's not gonna mm. hurt anybody else and you're surrounded by people that don't agree with that then you might need to find some new friends mm-hmm. and people like you know I, and I don't understand that it's almost like and you and, and you have like adult men who like think this way and it's like you're not in high school anymore like, you don't have to have these guy friends if you don't want to. Yeah. You don't have to go out to a bar with them if you don't want to. You're a grown-ass man. Like, you get a whole job. You pay your own bills. You probably live at home by yourself. Like, you're going to let these guys that that you hang out with dictate your, sex, your sexuality and the way you feel about other people. Or even if you're bi or whatever. Or, or if you're trans. I want to ask you the last question. Yeah, of course. That I always ask on the podcast. Okay, sure. So, you're in the delivery room and you have oh. just been born. Okay. And you, right now, are holding yourself as a baby. So Tiny Kelvin has just been in the womb. Okay. It's been all nice and warm and, oh, it's just all quiet. And now he's out and there's lights and sounds everywhere and it's all very terrifying. Mm-hmm. And he's looking at you like, what the fuck? Is this life? Is this just going to be like loads of lights and sounds? Because that is like really horrifying. Ooh. He's like crying, crying, looking at you. And you know exactly what's going to happen from that moment on oh, until shit. this point in your life. Oh. And you can't change anything, right? So you can't give advice. You can't tell him to do anything differently. Everything's going to happen exactly the way it's already happened. But he's okay. very scared about what all of this is. So he's asking you, like, what is, th- is this? What's life? What is this? And you know there's going to be loads of lights and sounds. But it won't be like in the delivery room. It'll be trials yeah, and tribulations. Yeah, yeah. And it'll be all these other things you've, you're going to have to battle throughout your life. And you can say anything to him, anything you want. Advice won't work. You can't change the future. You can't make him do anything differently. But you can maybe tell him what life is going to be like. What would you say to teeny tiny baby you? That's deep. Damn. Oh, man. I would tell baby me that... Man. I would... I would tell them that... um, Man, that's... (laughs) Man. I guess the most important thing I would tell them is that life is what you make it and the energy that you put out in the world is nine times out of ten the energy that you're going to receive back in your life. And you always need to uh, remain positive no matter what really happens in your life because shitty things are going to happen. Because shitty things happen to good people and shitty things happen to shitty people. So it's just the way the universe works. And you just have to, you know, kind of roll with the punches and understand that life is like, life is this huge game, you know? And you really can't, you really can't, you really can't hate the players, you know? You gotta hate the coaches. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. Do you still need to be told that? 
Huh? Do you still need to be told that? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I need to be told that, yeah. Because sometimes I'm still like, oh no, especially being in this industry, you know, there's sometimes where I feel like, you know, during some castings or whatever and doing some things I feel like I'm discriminated against, you know, sometimes I feel as though like my voice isn't heard as strongly as like other people's because of the way that I look, you know. And I'm sure, you know, you can relate to that being, you know, with your fat liberation and all that stuff, you know. It's almost like, you know, the the industry, like, excludes certain people from the conversation of positive body image sometimes, what it feels like. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I feel like, yeah, sometimes I need to tell myself that. And I don't tell myself that very often. So I guess it was nice to kind of hear myself say it. That was kind of strange, but... Yeah, it felt it felt like I really told my my baby self like life is really gonna be like yeah it, you, you know yeah it it felt good, good. that's crazy <laughs> is that what it was meant to be <laughs> it's, it's whatever, <laughs> whatever you wanted to say. yeah 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 that's cool <laughs> thank you so much for doing this of course yes where thank can you. people pluck your book again so yes. where people can find you on the internet okay so you can find me on Instagram at Kelvin Davis that's K E L V I N Davis, D-A-V-I-S, all like one thing. There's no semicolons or anything of that sort. So Kelvin Davis. And then um, you can find me um, on Twitter at Notoriously Dap. Uh, f- Facebook, Notoriously Dapper. My blog is NotoriouslyDapper.com. And my book, uh, which was nominated for NAACP Image Award, but I lost to Oprah. <laughs> it was nominated for Outstanding Literature of the Year in 2017. It is called Notoriously Dapper, How to Be a Modern-Day Gentleman with Men of Style and Body Confidence. And it is a great read, not only because I wrote it, but because it discusses a lot of in-depth of what me and Sophie talked about today when it comes to homophobia, racism, and all those different um, things about you know being a modern-day gentleman, all the characteristics that you will need in order to pursue that lifestyle if you want it and to end this thing that we call toxic masculinity in the world because it's not only in the states it's obviously here in the uk too it's really everywhere you know mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah. wonderful yeah thank you so much for doing this thank you thank you for having me <laughs> that was calvin davis go and find him on all the on all the socials and thank him for being a guest if it meant something to you he's just so brilliant and if you go to patreon.com forward slash mopod m-o-h-p-o-d and you, if you're if you're already signed up, thank you so much. You're a genius. You're incredible. Thank you. If you're not yet signed up to be a patron of the Made of Human podcast, you can go and do it now. It's um, the minimum. I think it's a dollar per episode. I release between four and five episodes a month, so that'll be four or five dollars. That cannot be much in pounds, <laughs> I think. And uh, yeah, then you help support this podcast, and you get access to so much stuff. With most of the guests, I record an, um, like an extra bit, which is anywhere between 5 and 15 minutes, where I ask them real fun questions like, what's the most embarrassing thing you've ever done? Do you have a life hack? What's an unpopular opinion of yours? And only a few of those unpopular opinions should have gotten people cancelled. So if you, want to, if you love cancelling people, oh my god, sign up for Patreon now. And if you give $5 or more per episode, you're an incredible person because you're a friend of the podcast, you keep it going, 
You save my life. And I will say your name at the end of the episode. So, I would like to say a massive thank you to friends of the podcast, Andrea Papillon, Andrew January, Andy Walker, Anya Knobler, Golden Blue Sky, Barry Nelson, Caitlin, Cat Fosse, Cherry Windsor, Claire McCowlin, Danny Beckett, Daniel Reifersheet, Eleanor, Emma Chan, Vanilla Dunn, Privacy, Osaurus, Aurora, Teratops, Gillian Davidson, Grace Ann, Hannah Rose Tristram, Harry Van Dyke, Harry Minnett, Eva Sergolas, and Joe C., Kathleen Goodmanson, Kathy Blaxelbauer, Katie Hatfield, Kim Dave, no, Kim Williams, Kirsten Davidson, Chrissy Nicholson, Lily and Harry French have not had drinks with Tim Minchin. <laughs> it's the period after that whole sentence that gets me. Lily and Harry French have not had drinks with Tim Minchin, period. Uh, M-Mave Hulihan, Maury Fraser, Megan Roberts, Tigerific, Paul Swaddle, Perpetual Motion, Pierre Fenneux, Rachel Evenheim, Rachel Furley, Rachel Phillips, Ragdoll, Rian Rivers, Robert Knowles, Robin Cabell, Russell Hughes, Sarah Ferrer, Igerset, Sarah Allard, Sarah Brazel, Sarah Pluma, Susie Tyler, Victoria Greer, and Victoria Layton. And if you don't like the idea of um, your name getting out there, then you can just write whatever you want, as you can hear other people already have. I'm absolutely. I was to be fair. I was gonna. I thought I was going to have to read the just like random words that people have put. <laughs> There's only a few of those. Now, I want to say thank you to Calvin Davis for doing my podcast. Thank you to Dave Pickering for editing it. Uh, Harriet Brain for writing and recording the jingle. Justine McNiggle for the logo. Thank you to Soho Theatre for letting me record this episode there. This podcast was produced by Dying Alone Limited. I will speak to you next week. Bye! Oh.